you've got your Bibles this morning, you might want to turn with me to 2 Corinthians 13. And as you're turning to that, I do want us to pray. I want to ask God to continue to speak to us. He's speaking to us this morning anyway. So if you don't get anything from this, you've got to hear from God already. Takes the pressure off. But having said that, we're praying for God to continue to speak to us as well. So let's just pray, shall we? Hallelujah. E ohoa, e te mato ariki, ano te nui, o te ingoa e te whenua katoa. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in mm. all the earth. Father, we do praise you this morning and thank you that we have the privilege of being before you and in the presence of your spirit. And Father, we pray, Lord, as we continue to look at your word, that you will continue to speak to us Amen. and change us, we pray, Amen. more and more into the likeness of your Son. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Excellent. 2 Corinthians 13. This is, in fact, our last chapter in our Corinthian series that we've been doing on and off, really, for quite a lot of the year, actually, uh, in various different parts. And this is the very last chapter. And also, just to say, as we've heard, this is the last Sunday before our, our time away as a church, our weekend away. So, so really, it's with one eye on the weekend away that I want us to look at the chapter. Okay? So that's just to be aware of that. So, so here we go. And... Um, I want to start with this picture. This is the picture I have, I love, of the Apostle Paul. Well, I wasn't painted at the time or drawn at the time, of course. But this is one of my favorite pictures of the Apostle Paul because he just seems so human to me in this picture. And actually, it's why I love 2 Corinthians as well because it gives us such a human picture of the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's just so transparent and authentic throughout the whole thing. And... Uh, uh, which, to be honest, are values that we also hold here as a church. Transparency and authenticity. Right? We, we treasure these as a church, and we want to grow and grow into them more and more as time goes by. And uh, we don't want pretense or hype or hiding. Uh, our heart is for the real deal. Yeah. We want the real thing. And Paul, I think, is a fantastic example of that. And you can see this throughout the whole of 2 Corinthians. So, so for instance, the first chapter, Paul says this at one point, he says, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. In other words, we didn't know what to do, which I think is a great thing to admit, and that's Paul. How about this one, chapter 2, he says, I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears. But again, he's so open-hearted, he's transparent. How about chapter 4, he says at one point, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed. I love that word. In other words, we don't know what's going on. Ever been in that situation before where you don't know what's going on? Well, well Paul did, and he was happy to say so. Struck down, but not destroyed. How about this? He says at one point, we commend ourselves in troubles, hardships, and distresses, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And on and on. These are just wonderful statements of vulnerability and weakness and humanity. In other, words, in other words, Paul really isn't trying to impress anyone. He really isn't. In fact, I get the impression that if the Apostle Paul walked through that door and sat down amongst us today, I think we'd cope with it. I don't think it would freak us out. You know, if the Apostle Paul walked in, I don't think we'd be overwhelmed or, or intimidated by the fact that Paul's in the room. You know what it's like, isn't it? That there are some people who can be 
intimidating, either by just who they are or the status that they have. I mean, if I told you that next Sunday the Queen of England will be turning up and joining us in our worship service, you can't tell me that it wouldn't awe you in some way. Right? You can't tell me that you wouldn't dress up in some way. Not that you're not there. But you can't tell me that you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't sort of look forward to with a bit of trepidation and maybe some of the ladies would be practicing a little curtsy in front of the mirror and the, and the guys would be trying to pow and you'd be trying to get your little finger out in your cup and take a drink of properly when you're coffee with the, in our poor scarring mugs. And, uh, I think it'd be a little bit intimidating. And I think one or two other characters in the Bible, if they turned up, would also make us feel a little bit overawed. I mean, John the Baptist. Right? If John the Baptist, he's a classic example. Look, if John walked in, here's a few pictures of John. This guy, if John the Baptist walked in here on a Sunday morning, all right, how would you feel? You see, I don't know whether I want to share a coffee with this guy at the end of the meeting. I don't know if I want to have him back for a meal. I think he'd terrify me. I mean, the first words we hear from John. In Luke's gospel, when he, turns, when he turns to the crowd and he says, You brood of snakes who warned you to flee from the coming anger of God. I mean, touching. It's very touching. <laughs> to be honest, if he said to me, even Pete, uh, I feel called to be part of this church, I don't know if I'd rejoice. <laughs> I mean, what would you do with John? Put him in with a kid's work? No. <laughs> Put him on the door to welcome visitors? <laughs> Eating locusts for what? <laughs> Make him a connect group leader, no one would <coughs> But Paul, I think Paul's different than that. I think I'd be okay with Paul. You see, with Paul, I'd be saying, Paul, please come, come and be apostolic, be apostle over us, be apostolic to us. I'd be asking him. And you see, that's really the point. By giving us the human face of Paul, we also have, I think, the human face and reality of what is truly apostolic. Right? What is truly apostolic. And I want to look at this this morning because I believe the visit that we're about to have on the Bedford team will be, and I put quotes around it at the moment, I believe it will be apostolic. And I want to explain what I mean by that and how we can best receive it. Right, so that's where I'm going this morning. Apostolic. First, first of all, what do I mean by apostle or apostolic? Now, I need to be careful because terms and titles get thrown around the church all over the place. You don't have to look very fast before you read about evangelist so-and-so will be preaching at this conference and prophet so-and-so will be preaching over there and apostle so-and-so will be signing his book at the back of the convention centre. Right, we hear titles all the time. Now, now they can be a huge deal for some, but please don't, I don't want to knock anyone, but I don't think it was ever meant to be that way in the New Testament. I think in Paul's day, apostle was a particular calling and a function. Now, I know it's true that the original 12, the 12 apostles were a bit special, we know that. Jesus called them specifically to be with him that they might witness the life of Jesus, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. So the 12 were a bit special and unique, that's true. But if you look further in your New Testament, you'll see that there are other apostles mentioned as well. People like Barnabas is mentioned as that, or, or James is mentioned as that a couple of times. Or there's a couple of people mentioned in Romans 16 as apostolic. 
And of course, Paul himself is as well. So the apostolic wasn't just the twelve. In the wider New Testament, there's an ongoing calling and function. And as with any of the gifts, this is really important, as with any of the gifts, whether it's apostle or evangelist or prophet or pastor or teacher, none of them were for their own focus or attention. They weren't. They were there to serve the church. Ephesians 4 is really important. Paul says this. Uh, when he, Christ, ascended on high, he gave gifts to his people. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of his people for the works of service. In other words, when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he gave gifts. He poured out gifts upon his church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and so on. And the point of these gifts was never to draw attention to themselves, but they were given to equip God's people for the works of service. Why did you hear that? It's important. These gifts were not there to do the ministry or gather people around them. They were there to equip you to do the ministry. You to do the ministry, to equip you to fulfill your calling in God. That's what they were for. And that's true of any of the gifts, actually. It's about equipping you to do the ministry because you're all priests. Do you understand that? We have no clergy here. There's no professional clergy in this church. There just isn't. And I hope you get a flavor of that as you're amongst us as a church. We, we don't have a professional clergy. I mean, Phil and I, and nor do we try and take the focus onto the leadership of the church. Phil and I, we are elders, but I mean, you don't dress up in funny clothes as elders. Well, <laughs> okay, not intentionally. So. We don't even have titles. Now, I know culturally sometimes people are comfortable with titles, but scripturally we're not. I'm Pete, he's Phil. Or I'm hey you and he's you over there. <laughs> right? And that's important because you see it's not about us, it's about equipping you. We're here to try and create a context where you are equipped to bring the kingdom in wherever God has placed you. Yes. And that's why also, by the way, you won't find uh, a one pastor here in this church strutting about on the stage trying to get with the attention. Because according to the scriptures, it's always been teams. It's been plurality of elders, multiplying gifting in the church. In other words, our job is that we quick and release so that you do the work he's called you to do. And I'll be honest with you, honestly, one of the great thrills I have these days is to see many girls and guys, women and men, stepping up in this church, able to preach, able to prophesy, able to pray for the sick, able to lead both in this church and in the wider community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because we're on a mission to the ends of the earth and we need to see more churches planted and more people genuinely bringing more of the kingdom in into the education system, the government, business and beyond. We need to see it. Folks, we need to mobilize. And actually, can I just say this, in this church here, I believe in this one church, there are many churches to be planted. Amen. There really are. Getting a little bit ahead of myself here. (laughs) But this is true of the apostolic or of of the apostle. Uh, These people were gifts 
from the ascended Christ moving among churches to equip the people of God. And primarily the way apostles did that was to plant or set churches up and shape them into mature communities to fulfill Jesus' commission. That's what the apostolic does. In fact, Paul famously describes this, really, when he says in 1 Corinthians 3, he says this, According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder. Each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul is saying this, I set you up as a church. I planted you and I put Jesus in as your foundation. I taught you about him. I proclaimed him. I proclaimed his cross, his resurrection, his grace, his lordship, his kingdom. And I set you up so that the life of Jesus, his presence might flow in you and through you to the ends of the earth. That's what that means. I set you up. And as you watch Paul in the Bible, you can see him in teams, never on his own, moving into whole new areas of planting or revisiting churches he's planted before, admonishing, encouraging, encouraging maturity and unity, bringing leadership through, appointing elders, and so on. Encouraging the gifts to flow. And that is what the apostolic does. It's uniquely anointed for it. Now, it's true that we can try and do it on our own, but with true apostolic gifting, it can be done with anointing and with power. And therefore, we want it. And the heart is always that churches become mature and display his kingdom to the ends of the earth. Wow, what a wonderful gift the apostolic is. What a wonderful gift. And believe me, this is something the church in this land needs more than ever. It really does, because there's so much out there that isn't being built on that foundation of Jesus. So much out there is built on other things. Some churches are built on tradition. We've always done it this way. And traditions that can crush the life of God out of the people. Others are built upon personalities that dominate, or programs that simply burn everyone out, or built on hype, and that can bring the church into slavery, to unreality, and to pretense. We need Christ-centered churches, displaying His presence and love and grace and power. And it's the gift of the apostolic that helps us with that. And the lovely thing is you can see Paul talking about this, his heart for it, in 1 and 2 Corinthians 13, in our chapter. So for instance, in verse 8 of chapter 13, Paul says this. He says, we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm concerned for truth about Jesus. Not, not blather, not tradition, not hype, but truth. Mm. He goes on to say this in verse 9. He goes on to say this. He says, we also pray that you become fully mature. His heart is for people to be mature in their love for Jesus and for each other. Verse 10, he says this. He talks about his authority the Lord gave me for building up and not for tearing down. Paul is a master builder. Once they see the church built strong. And then how about the 11th verse? He says this, Brothers and sisters, rejoice. Become mature. Be encouraged. Be of the same mind. Be at peace. And this is the great passion for Paul. He wants the church to be unified around the foundation stone, 
or the cornerstone that we talked about earlier, saying about earlier, the foundation of Jesus. It's really, really key. And the promise is this, that if we do that, he goes on to say, and the God of love and peace will be with you. In other words, he's saying, I want to position you as a church and shape you so that the God of love and peace will truly be among you. Wow. Folks, that's the heart of the apostolic. And when it's working well, all the other gifts will flow. Now, as I said earlier, there's a need for this now more than ever. And can I just say there's a need for this in our church more than ever too. And look, can I just say I praise God for all that God has done in us and through us. I can, without any, unapologetically, I can say I truly love this church. I'm truly amazed at what God has done over the years. And Julie and I, we first uh, saw this begin many years ago. We, we lay our lives down for it, and I know there are others here who did the same. Because we love the church. And yet, I believe this too, that we've barely begun. I believe that we have prophetic words over us that are breathtaking in terms of scale and scope. And we would say, what? Ask who are we? But God has got hold of us and has great promises for us. And I have to believe this, that the Bedford visit is going to come and bring something of the apostolic to us to help push us along. That's what we're looking for. Uh, within the New Frontiers family of churches, we belong to a family of churches, a worldwide family. So like a big household in a way. Many, many members of the family. So Simon Holly, who uh, some of you have heard about, one or two have met, but nobody, not many of us have met personally, or many of the church have met personally. Uh, he's a team, there's a team around him that have grown into that apostolic call and function. He's English, he's from Britain, from Bedford, and uh, in Bedford they've seen a wonderful church built there. Uh, many of us have seen it, it's a beautiful church, not beautiful because of the building or the carpet or the coffee, but, but beautiful in the sense that that the grace of Jesus flows through it. The life and power of Jesus, where broken lives have been healed, many have been saved, many set free, and many have been sent on. But Simon and the, the apostolic team that come, that's grown up around them now oversee many other churches. Now, just to put up on the screen, Phil, uh, you already know, he's also from Bedford, he's part of that team. Phil, you already know, he's uh, come to us with teams and he's sacrificially served us. Uh, and I'm also glad, too, that um, Simon Holly is coming also. And so Simon will be coming. And it's important these guys are coming because they feel prophetically connected to us. I mean, it's amazing, really, because there are hundreds and actually probably thousands who are clamoring for their input. But they say, no, we feel prophetically connected to you as a people. And so they're coming out here next weekend. And uh, Phil will come really primarily as a teacher. So he'll be teaching in the sessions but Simon will be alongside them prophetically. Together, they will be apostolic. And, uh, and I think it's a wonderful thing. So what I thought I'd do for a few moments is just to give you a bit more of a flavor. Simon won't be teaching, um, but uh, I want to give you a flavor of his heart, because I know most of you have never met him before, so I'm going to give you five minutes of Simon preaching, just so you catch his heart more than anything else. Okay, thanks. Well, it's great to be here with you. I'm married to Caroline, who you'll be, uh, you'll be hearing from in a moment. Caroline's from Oklahoma. She's American. We met when she came over to work on a homeless project. And so you know what they say about the Americans and the English, two nations separated by a common language. 
and uh, we've had that over the years. I have to tell you, my, uh, my worst incident actually didn't involve Caroline. We were traveling, flying into the States. It was a kind of red-eye flight, jet lag. We arrived 6 o'clock in the morning, went through customs, and I'm always a bit nervous about the whole American customs. Anyone else been through that experience? Yeah. Makes you, just your whole thing puts you on edge. And so the guy, they never smile. He's really, really stern. Caroline and the kids go through, and, um, and that, it changes every time what you have to do. It gets more and more complicated. So I'm jet-lagged, I go through, and he says, sir, put your fourth finger on the scanner. And I was like, your fourth finger? Well, he's not going to be counting your thumb, because that's not, a, that's not a finger. So one, two, three, four. That's really strange. Why don't you just say your little finger? Oh, maybe it's an American thing. So I try and put my little finger. He's like, sir, your fourth finger on the scanner. I thought, maybe he is counting your thumb. So one, two, three, four. That's really difficult to do. So I was trying to get this. That's quite hard to do, isn't it? And get it right the way on. So I was getting this finger on the scanner. He's like, sir, your fourth finger on the scanner. I was like, oh, your fourth finger on the scanner. Why don't you just say that? So I put my fourth finger on the scanner. He's like, sir, your fourth finger on the scanner. And I'm just like, I have got not a clue what you're saying. I looked up at Caroline, who was crying with laughter, <laughs> and she just went like this. Oh, your four fingers on the scanner! Why did you say that in the first place? Oh. I, I was reading recently um, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5, David calls God. He gets this moment, this revelation, he calls God the Lord of the Breakthrough. I love that name for God. The Lord of the Breakthrough. That's a great name to have on your business card, isn't it? I mean, I think I've got lead elder or something. And what does that mean? I think I need to change it to have, I work for the Lord of the Breakthrough. I think that would be a great business card to, to have. And, and I just love that we follow a God who likes to be known by the name of the Lord of the Breakthrough. He is the Lord of the breakthrough. And we've just been seeing, uh, as we've he heard illustrated already, he is breaking through in our lives and as we go out into the streets in our nation and the nations, he is breaking through one life at a time, through to whole nations at a time. He's the Lord of the breakthrough. I was, uh, one of our ladies in our church was out walking uh, recently, she was out at work and across the road a lady just drops to the floor, literally in front of her, with her kid, I think, or two kids with her, just literally collapses to the floor. She runs over to her, she says, what's wrong, what's wrong? She said, I've got um, fibromyalgia and some other uh, muscle kind of illness. She said, I, I just, my strength has just gone, I've just collapsed here, I can't get up. And she says, what, well, can I pray for you? She says, I, I guess so, yeah. So she just begins to pray for her. And as she's praying, the lady goes unconscious. She says, oh my God, this is getting worse. So she goes unconscious, she slips into unconsciousness, and she's just praying bad stuff out, good stuff in, bad stuff out, good stuff in, just praying that God's love would fill her with power. Anyway, the lady comes around and she says, whoa, she says, all the, all the pain is just gone. I think I can get up. She stands up, she's perfectly fine. She says, I feel stronger than I've felt in ages. And she says, um, she says, well, you went she said, I went unconscious, what was going on? And, and the, the lady from my church was like, um, how do you explain this? Well, <laughs> well, the love of God was going in and some other stuff was going out. That's what was going on, which I thought was a great explanation. And she said, you know, while I was unconscious, she said, I had a, she said, I had a picture of my parents who were both Christians. She said, well, I'm a Christian. I, 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 and, and through the whole thing, she led this lady to Christ. 
She came to church the next Sunday, loved it. God just broke into her life. He is the Lord of the breakthrough. He loves to break through and change people's lives. And he can do it anywhere. As we're seeing in any nation, he can do this. I was in a, a Muslim nation uh, a few years ago, and I was in a restaurant with a friend. And uh, as we were eating, I felt like the waiter had some kind of, just a slight impression, he had some kind of problem with his shoulder, trying to learn to listen to God in the everyday, which is hard when you've got food in front of you, I know, but I'm trying to discipline myself. <laughs> and so I, did, I felt like he had some shoulder. So when we were paying, I said to my friend through translation, could you ask him if he's got a pain in his shoulder? And uh, the guy says, no, I haven't. I thought, oh, well, you know, just get it wrong, you know, you get used to that. And, um, and then another waiter, identical to the first one, walks up. And I was like, and he says to the other waiter, what's going on? And the other guy says, well, these guys say there's something wrong with my shoulder, but there isn't. And so the second waiter says, well, there's something wrong with my shoulder. I was like, oh, it's just, it's not, I didn't get it right, it was just clueless. So, <laughs> it's identical waiters, who figured? So, <laughs> so, so, we said, can we pray for you? We prayed for him, all the pain leaves his shoulder, he's complete. Then the, the first waiter says, but I have got something wrong with my knee, would you pray for my knee? Both these guys were Muslim, so he prayed for his knee, his knee gets better. Anyway, six months later, my friend goes back into the same restaurant, and the, the waiter with the shoulder runs up to him and says, do you remember me? He says, oh, yeah, of course I remember you. He says, uh, you prayed for me, and I've been healed. I've not had any problem since. It was a long-term problem, not had any pain since. He says, great, that's amazing what God did. He says, will you come and pray for the chef? <laughs> so, what? He said, the chef is sick. You've got to come and pray for the chef. I'm not sure I want to eat here anymore, but anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> goes into the back, prays for the chef, the chef gets completely healed, then they pray for five others of these, the waiters and the waitresses in this restaurant, there's a queue of them in the kitchens of this restaurant, all of them get healed and touched by God, he is the Lord of the breakthrough, yeah. he is the God of the breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent, <laughs> just give you something of a uh, both natural, ordinary, but gifted, and also moving actually is an extraordinary power. Um, so this weekend is going to be very special for us. I'm very excited about it. And look, just to say for anyone here who's still thinking, shall I go, shan't I go, can I just say, look, um, if these guys, it seems to me, are, are willing to, to leave their families and come 12,000 miles to bless me, then uh, I'm going to go 20k up the road to receive it. All right? And that's really what we're talking about. I think this is going to be a phenomenal weekend. And uh, so I'd approach this weekend with a real hunger. I'm hungry for more of God for me, uh, hungry for more of God for the church, hungry for more of God for the nation. Uh, I'm also uh, going to come with humility, all right, it'll come in packages that maybe I'm not used to before, words and terminology I don't usually use, but I want to come saying, God, please speak to me and teach me. Uh, and I'm going to come with expectation, and really, <coughs> expectation in three things. Number one, expecting that I will encounter the incredible grace and favour of Jesus. Number two, I will receive a fresh impartation of the amazing love of our God and Father. And number three, I'll be refreshed and empowered by an intimate fellowship with the Spirit. The whole Godhead will be meeting with me. And I trust you'll come with that expectation. Can we stand, please? Those three things are close to the apostolic heart of Paul. <coughs> and actually, as we're standing here, they are the final things that Paul says to the church in Corinth.
And I love to imagine Paul, just as he's closing 2 Corinthians down, he's got his pen out, he's dipped it in the ink bottle, and he's thinking, how shall I finish 2 Corinthians? How shall I finish this? What can I pray for this church? What can I bless them with, with and impart? And so Paul gets his pen out, and he puts it across the papyrus, and he writes this. He writes, Ki atou ki te atafai o te ariki o ihu karaiti, me te aroha o te atua, me te whiwhinga tahitanga ki te waiwuatahu. He writes, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Folks, let's just stand before God for a moment, shall we? Let's just receive the apostolic blessing from Paul. Don't know what you're living with right now. Don't know what's facing you back home when you get home. Or what's facing you in the office tomorrow morning. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need refreshing now. Maybe you know that you need God to get hold of you in a fresh way. Well, to you, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Father, we stand before you now. We say thank you that we are living in days of such incredible blessing and promise. Father, we thank you that you are on the move in the power of the Holy Spirit. That Lord, many are being set free, healed, and brought to your throne. Father, we praise you that you're putting lives back together. Father, we bless you, Lord, that you didn't leave us as churches to try and do it on our own, but, Lord, you poured out gifts, wonderful gifts. Father, your heart is that each one of us be mobilized and equipped and prepared and sent to fulfill the calling you placed upon each one. Father, we thank you for the purpose you put upon our lives. And Father, even as we stand before you, would you rest upon us in the power of your Holy Spirit. Even now. Even now, allow the Spirit of God to reach you, to touch you, to speak to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, you're not tied up till next weekend, but you're here now by the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For our part, Lord, we say, please have your own way. Have your will in our lives. Lord, your kingdom come. Your mighty will be done. We turn our lives afresh over to you. And we pray, Lord, breathe upon us. Lord, bless us. Stir us and send us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just finish with the song.